Hi, Steve Addison here for the Movements Podcast. Podcast for people who want to multiply disciples and churches every. Today we're talking to Will Burnham about growing leaders in the field, and his field is a refugee highway from Greece well up into Europe. Reality has not changed that much. Refugees still continue to come. Uh, they've been coming for decades now. Uh, just different times where there's heavier waves of refugees coming in than others. Um, and so people are still coming. Now with COVID, uh, that has restricted the flow. And uh, it has really, as we've seen the last couple of years, it has only um, made it worse as far as the longevity of how long someone's going to have to stay in a in a transitional state like they do in Greece. You know, Greece is not the uh, you know, the intended destination for the majority of refugees. There's not much there for them. Uh, I mean, Greeks themselves are struggling with unemployment. Uh, so the ideal is to move on and to be placed somewhere else. But the, the system is backlogged and, uh, you know, refugees are, are forced in their, the, the first uh, country that they land in, in the EU, they have to stay there to be processed. And, in Greece, there's there's refugees that have been there now for three, four, five years. Is there another wave coming with the, um, you know, the takeover of the Taliban, or are they restricting whether or not people can leave? They're they're restricting now. I mean, you, you all of those that got out initially, uh, you know, not all of them got on a plane to get out. You know, a lot of them are crossing land borders, and so there are who knows how many that are that are making their way. Uh, the reality is the, the majority of them, if they're going to try that, are going to make their way to Turkey and uh, try to get across the Aegean Sea. So that a lot of that just depends on their ability to get there right now with the you know COVID restrictions. I don't know what those are. I can't speak to that, you know, in some of those those countries that they're trying to travel through. But I, I wouldn't be surprised. I know I mean, you're, you're always told that there's, you know, hundreds of thousands, if not a million, right? refugees in Turkey just waiting, waiting for the opportunity to cross. So, you know, that could come at any time based on geopolitics and global disasters and 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 whatever, you know. So we just I, I think we we just settled on we can work with what God has given us in this moment. Let's be faithful with that and be as prepared or more prepared than we were initially, you know, when that first wave came through 2015, 2016. We were not prepared. Nobody was prepared strategically for something like that. So we've learned a lot from the, that lesson and, you know, feel like we're in a place, uh, you know, throughout not only in Athens, but throughout Europe and some back into the Middle East as well with trained up, ready to go nationals that are insiders that are, um, you know, ready and already planting churches and making disciples. So if that wave comes, I can say for sure that we're we're more ready than we were before. We learned very early as as cross-cultural workers where our level of effectiveness just stops, you know, and we just got to recognize that and be okay with it. You know, me as a as a foreigner coming in, working with any other people group, uh, I am never the best option. Never. Uh, you know, right here in Kentucky, I'm the best option. These are my people. I know the language. Uh, you know, but anytime I'm crossing into another culture, even here, if I'm trying to share with a Spanish speaking, uh, you know, Mexican that has moved here for work, I, 
it's going to be far more effective if there's a native Spanish speaker that, you know, is a solid believer in our area that's doing the, the sharing of the gospel and the making of the disciples. And I just want to come alongside him to help him do that more effectively. Uh, so regardless of where we are, but for sure, when we cross the pond and we go somewhere internationally, cross-culturally, as a Westerner, we just got to come to terms with where our limits uh, stop. And I, I've always used, uh, uh, basically, I, I look at a, at a D-league to an A-league. Mm-hmm. I can use football analogies or baseball, but maybe not everybody's going to understand that. So, you know, a, a D-league is if I need a translator. That's simple enough. You know, anybody that needs a translator to share the gospel or make a disciple, you're dealing. Just accept it. <laughs> that's that's who you are. It is what it is. It doesn't mean God can't use you. Uh, it just means you're not the most effective. Uh, let's be faithful and do that until we get to another, you know, so C League uh, would be that next level. And that's that's if I learn a language so well that I don't need a translator. So great. Praise the Lord. I I can certainly be more effective. However, I'm a Westerner. I'll process information like a Westerner. I'll never be Eastern thought processing individual. Uh, I don't know what it's like to convert out of Islam or Hinduism. Mm. I don't know the, you know, the, the, the societal pressures that would happen because of that. So I'm still not the best option. I'm better, but I'm still not the best option. Uh, B league would be what we would call near culture. And that's a, you know, that's an Afghan sharing with an Iranian, right? You know, language is about 80% similar. Culture is about 80% uh, similar. Uh, religion is a hundred percent similar. Uh, but, you know, Afghans and Iranians, you know, they, they don't always mix well. Uh, you know, Iranians have kind of looked down on Afghans throughout history and Afghans have felt, uh, you know, suppressed by Iranians. So it's not best but it certainly is better than me, even as a C-leaguer who has that language down really good. Uh, and then A-league is an insider. And a- A-league is an Afghan sharing with an Afghan. Uh, by far, it is the mm-hmm. most, all of us would agree with that, is by far the most effective worker for sharing the gospel, making disciples, planting churches, and raising up leaders. And so then I feel like our responsibility as cross-cultural workers is to find A-leaguers uh, and I'm looking within that that population of believers. Typically, uh, the, by the time I meet them, they're already a believer. Uh, sometimes I think if you look at, at movements globally, the majority of the time, it's an insider that was already a believer that probably was bilingual, uh, that we were able to, someone was able to have a conversation with them, hear their vision, cast some vision, come alongside and train and equip and release. I think you're going to, you would see that in many movements, uh, modern day movements. And so, okay, I need to try to find those types of individuals. And so at that point now, I'm, I'm just looking for the faithful, available, teachable, reproducing, uh, you know, A-league individuals. And that's who then I would come alongside uh, to try to train and equip and encourage and empower and release. It's something to pray for, to ask God for. God, would you provide us these individuals? Because we know mm-hmm. that's best. We know that that's highly effective. And we knew early on in our time in Athens that we needed to find these type of individuals. Uh, and so we'll use, we'll use Danny as an example. Uh, Danny is, uh, is a Kurd who uh, left uh, war-torn country and made his way to Turkey as a refugee. He's a young, single Muslim who, because of war, because of infighting, 
had already given up on Islam mm-hmm. and would consider himself an, an atheist. Uh, while he's in Turkey, uh, as we hear often in, in the testimony of, of Muslims that come to faith, he, had, he began to have dreams. And uh, it was a repetitive, a recurring dream that he would have night after night. And uh, it was him walking up to a, a crossroads um, out in the middle of, of nowhere, just the crossroads. And there's a man sitting at the crossroads and Danny would walk up to the man and he would ask him, which, which way do I go? And the man wouldn't say anything. And this happened three, four, five nights in a row. And Danny would tell you, man, when he woke, he would be angry. He's like, I keep asking this guy, you know, which way I need to go. He never would answer. Uh, so, you know, eventually though, the next dream, uh, he doesn't say anything, but he holds out his hand to shake his hand. And there's a, there's a, a, a tattoo on his arm of a cross. Mm-hmm. And so he's, he's, he's cross. And so eventually, you know, another dream and it just keeps progressing. And, and now uh, when he asks the man, which way do I go? He says, I am the way. So Danny begins to do some research and really ask questions about Christ and Christianity. He's in Turkey, so it's not the easiest thing to do to find a church, uh, but he does find eventually through Facebook, uh, a group of believers that are meeting, uh, reaches out to the pastor who, of course, is uh, skeptical and really takes a long time even to get a face-to-face. Once they do get a face-to-face, Danny shares his story, uh, and eventually he's invited to come, uh, and he comes to faith there in Turkey. So already a believer. While in Turkey, he starts doing you know ministry as best he can. He doesn't know much, obviously, but he's got a passion to now share this with other people. He finally gets uh, to the coast where he pays the smuggler, makes his way across to Greece, and uh, he's in Greece for about six months before we ever meet him, and has already led four families to the Lord, entire families to the Lord in the mm-hmm. refugee camp that he's in in Greece and is meeting them. Well, he hears about our work and he contacts us and says, Hey, I want to do ministry with you guys. And we don't know him. We're like, what, do you, what does that mean? You know, what does that mean to you? And he says, listen, this is what I'm doing. And so, I mean, this is like every missionary's dream. Yeah. You know, you've, got a, you've got a Muslim background believer that's come to faith. That's already sharing his faith. He's led people to the Lord. He says, this is what I'm doing. Can you help me do it better? Okay. You know, so it's finding individuals like like Danny, who was was you know a young believer, but passionate, very passionate. And so now we just start to look for those those characteristics, those qualities of faithfulness, uh, availability. Is he teachable, and does he reproduce whatever he's given? And so then that's where your tool set comes in. You know, is your tool set reproducible? And you know, we'll, we'll filter guys like this by you know obedience to the commands of Christ and. Uh, his faithfulness to go and to share. And as he's leading other people, you know, you begin to look for things like, uh, you know, releasing the authority for baptism, some of the things that we know, but to find a national that's doing it is just huge. Hmm. And so then, you know, we come alongside a brother like Danny and just train, equip, encourage, uh, support him so that he can do this work without any, any fear or, or frustration. He's a refugee, you know, living in Greece. So, you know, we come alongside brothers like this in a, in a very strategic way so that God can use him most effectively. And so any fruit that Danny, it's Danny's fruit. It, it's not mine. It's not like I'm asking him to bring those people to me. Uh, I've only met some of his key leaders. I've never met anybody else downstream. And only that is, is during, you know, when we're doing mid-levels and really trying to coach and to train and equip. So it's all about empowering him to be used. Now, the uniqueness of Athens is that we were able to find 
uh, not one or two or three, but, uh, you know, five or six brothers, just like Danny, that, that came out of different faith systems, come from different countries and cultures, similar stories, uh, you know, all came to faith and either on their refugee journey or while in Athens, when we meet them, they're already doing something. They're just not doing it the most effective way. And so we just developed a team there and our team meetings, you know, you've got, you know, an Afghan, an Iranian, an Iraqi, a Pakistani, a, a, a Greek, and, you know, a couple of Americans in there. It's just a great, beautiful picture of heaven. Uh, but we're getting to, you know, work for God's kingdom together. And so we just developed a, a synergy there in Athens of all these brothers co-laboring together, uh, all pursuing the same mission, all pursuing the same vision, all using the same tools. And so it just created this synergy uh, where we were able to really, really work hard. And so really that the investment of those last three of the last three or four years, just seeing God at work, uh, you know, not only there, but now as their people have been relocated to Germany or Norway or Finland or Spain or Italy or Bosnia or wherever they are, you know, on their journey, some uh, even in, in Danny's work have, have, have prayed and said, you know what, we need to go back to our home country. And so they paid smugglers to get there. Now they fly, they pay money to fly to go back to take the gospel with them. And so just now looking at, at how the, uh, the refugee highway has expanded God's kingdom, because we've got this concentrated time in Athens where we can really train and raise up so that when anyone leaves, they know how to make a disciple, uh, start a church, uh, raise mm. up others. So I'm, well, maybe we just debrief some of the principles I picked up just hearing you explain that. One is the paradigm that you're not the solution. The Westerner is not the solution to the Great Commission or the only solution. So you're looking for cultural, linguistic insiders um, and seeing them, they're the A-leaguers. I'm yeah. At best, I'm a C-leaguer. Right. So you've got to have that paradigm. But the other piece is you're in the field. So Danny hears you're doing something. If, you, if you're just sitting in your office praying for Danny, He'd say, well, okay, but I want to make disciples, not just yeah. pray. So, and you've got some tools that you and others have refined. And so Danny sees, ah, oh, not only are they doing what I want to do, but they're doing it well. I've got something to learn from these guys. And then the other thing you're doing is investing relational time. In, in those who are, you know, faithful and fruitful and available and teachable, you personally are connecting with them and uh, building a relationship. But you're also building a relationship for them with peers. with, right. with And they may be different nationalities, but you're all in this together, yeah. which means there's quite a, a, a filter in terms of who gets into that network. I mean, the gospel is going out to everyone, yeah. but you're looking for leaders of leaders and, and creating that community together with them as they they reach each of their people groups. Yeah. Did I leave, did, did I leave yeah, anything I'll, out? I'll expand on that because that's a great point. You know, at, as, as foreigners, as Westerners, uh, you know, we, we tend to be gullible. 
we, we tend to believe the best in a person because mm-hmm. that's just, we've been taught to be, but as we all know, you know, that's not the reality. And what these brothers started doing, even when it was just two or three of us, they would help do the filtering much better and much quicker mm-hmm. than I could. Uh, you know, we, had, we learned that lesson in India as well. When we served there and he, you know, we thought, Oh, this brother, he really wants to do the work. And our, our Indian national brother we were working with, he's mm-hmm. like, you know, and he would let us make it, you know, we said, Oh no, brother, we really, this is, this is going to be great. Two months later, we're like, yeah, you were, you were right. You know, mm-hmm. he knew it. He knew it from the mm-hmm. beginning. Uh, and so now we've just learned to listen. And, and so I've seen the level of discernment in these brothers because they know their people, you know, they mm-hmm. know. And when you're, you know, you could be doing this in a third world country. That's one thing. Um, when you're doing that, when you're doing this work with refugees, just so many things get heightened as far as what I've really got to be. I have to make sure that these brothers are wanting to do this for the right reason. Mm-hmm. So your filter has to be really high. Um, and, but these guys, they started to protect what we were doing in a, in a good way. You know, sometimes protection can be holding on to too much. Yeah. It's not that, but they saw what we were doing. They were excited about it and they wanted to protect that work from others that said they wanted to do it probably had, you know, false motives or false intention or, or they just weren't ready. And they were just able to do that so much quicker so that when we ended up building that team out, it was, it was of highly effective brothers, but it was in, in, in large part because we listened to them. They helped us know who, who we needed to bring into that often. Mm. And you're like a coach who's, you're still playing the game. Yeah. But that coach is looking at, uh, the next generation of stars, in a sense. Hey, look at me. My playing days are done. <laughs> no, it, it, it's, it's, uh, it, yeah, you're right. It, it's, it, it's helping them be the most effective that they can be for the kingdom. And, um, man, just finding pure joy in that. Oftentimes, I've, I've seen missionaries that they spend years, you know, perfecting a language and learning a culture, trying to be that, you know, C-leaguer or, or a, most of us understand we're never going to be, you know, an Afghan, but, mm. you know, surely I can get to the point where I'm near culture, you know, and mm. I, I'm be highly effective. I mean, you can, you can live in a country for 20 years. You're always going to be American. You're always going to be Australian or Brit, mm. whatever. You're never going to be the best option. And so, you know, I'm not trying to cut corners. I'm just saying what's the most effective mm. and the most effective. And, and let's think about it too. I mean, where in the world are there no believers? Mm. I mean, there's some places, you know, but let's be honest. Most places where we have Western missionaries, there's already believers. And I, where there are believers, there's somebody there that's a potential L3, L4. There's somebody mm. there that's already out sharing the gospel. And it's just about mm. finding them. But I mean, you made another good point. We've got to be doing it. You know, so mm-hmm. yes, I'm I'm D League or C League. I'm in another culture, but I've still got to be doing the work, it, just out of obedience. You know, mm-hmm. to the commands of Christ. I just recognize I'm not the most effective. I'm I'm you know blubbering my way through it. But praise God if He sends me another believer that says this is what happened in India. Hey, I saw you guys sharing uh, in the in the park, and I'm here to tell you you were doing it wrong. Mm-hmm. Praise the Lord. You know, help me, brother. And he, mm-hmm. you know that that guy's now looking for somebody to do this with. He probably didn't think it was going to be two white Americans, but 
mm. what it ended up being. Um, and what's what's God's role in this? Where do you see the hand of God connecting you to these folk like like Danny? Yeah, I mean, for one, God has already done the work, and and again, that's that's not going to be in every situation. Uh, in, in our case, it has been, uh, and and in many that you would talk to. I think you're going to find that to be the case. They're already a believer. God's already already saved them. Um, I think it's it's the when God brings two brothers together or, or, or sisters together to 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 run and to do the work. I mean, that's just and again, cross culturally, that's just an act of God. Mm-hmm. It's like somebody hears of somebody else, or oftentimes I'm I'm casting vision with a pastor or a ministry leader and. And, and about halfway through, they're like, oh, I know who you need to meet, you know. And mm. so they've already been working in, in some. I never would have met them otherwise. Yeah. But, but God puts it on the heart of that person that I'm casting vision to uh, to say, oh, you need to connect these guys. And mm. or, you know, you're out sharing the gospel, at the, you know, at the same time in the same park. And mm. you come you try to share with them while they're trying to share with you. Those types of things happen. And it's just it's a God thing, um, you know, and then. The rest is just us being faithful and obedient to the Lord and, and, and what he's commanded us to do and humbling ourselves. You know, again, I think the, 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 the greater uh, test is on, the, is, on, is on us as Westerners to die to self mm-hmm. and, and to know that we're not the best option, to know that God has someone there. We just have to find them. And I'm just saying it, it would be worth our time uh, to, I'm not saying don't learn language and culture, hmm. don't learn it and do it for so long, assuming you're going to be the best option. Give equal amount of time to finding the believers that are in that area, cast vision, go out, do it yourself and see who comes alongside, uh, or who, who's always just kind of watching from the back of the room while you're doing it. That, that could be a potential national partner in the making. Hmm. Uh, you know, and then there's, there's some, best practices. I mean, very rarely are they going to be an existing pastor. It's just the way that it is. Uh, very rarely. Uh, and I, I'm not saying it can't happen. Hmm. Uh, but very rarely are they seminary educated or mm-hmm. you know, Bible college. Uh, you know, it's usually the least of these. It's usually those that nobody else wants to touch. Uh, that certainly has been our case. Uh, every time that we've worked with a brother, it's, it's never somebody, they're never somebody else's first choice. You know, they're, they're rough around the edges for a reason, but it's what we need, you know, and I, you know, you look at, you look at the disciples, you know, what were they called by the crowds, you know, unschooled, ordinary men, you know, many of them fishermen, you look at that and say, man, we need to be looking for those stinky, smelly fishermen among our people uh, that are a little bit out there that nobody else wants to work with. That might just be a, a brother that is going to start a movement. Thanks for listening. And remember, you can visit movements.net for the latest updates and resources. I'm Steve Addison for the Movements Podcast. Podcast.